0: This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to Air Grievances Podcast. I'm Caleb, and I'm sitting here with my friend, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hi. You didn't tell me this was going to be a Festivus episode, so I'm really honored to... Yeah, it's a big occasion here. So uh mike you are a smart man not exactly but i play one on tv so all oh, right, up right. Well. Uh, as i'm well aware you're gonna you're gonna keep yourself s- somewhat anonymous um but i'm sure that from the hints that we give as to the characters that you play and and your personal background people will eventually figure out what uh famous actor you are
1: oh yeah i would like uh, to think people so can
0: deduce that probably from our conversation i would guess mm-hmm. But one hint: you're not Brad Pitt. That's the only hint. I'm. gonna I'm not going to allude to any more specifics about who you are, who you're not. But no. I will tell the listener you're not Brad Pitt. So
1: I was. My stage name is Rod Lebster. So right. if that gives anything away. That does then... give a lot
0: away. Actually, mind edit that out.
1: Oh yeah,
0: have I gone too far? I think so.
1: And it's up to you. You're the one who requested the
0: degree of anonymity that we're using. So, uh, so yeah, I guess we're, we're just going to kind of see where this conversation goes. Maybe talk about uh, artificial intelligence a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe about, you know, other technologies and things like that. And also, just as a jumping off point, um, a lot of the topics that I address in this podcast are religiously
1: related within that sphere. And oh, you sure, And you, yeah. were, you were raised Christian, weren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, Mom played the organ at church for mm-hmm. 20-something years. I went to church until I was old enough to to tell my family, I'm not going to do this. And uh-huh. it became more trouble than it was worth for them to try and twist my arm and force me. It's yeah.
0: Being being it? born into that, did you default to assuming that what you were being told was was all factual? Was there what, what was your mental process in in coming to terms with with your own worldview as opposed to what you were presented with?
1: Oh well, that's that's a whole thing in itself because I I was I grew up in a really small town. Uh, I'm a little older, so I grew up pre-internet. Uh, but but from as long as I can remember, I was kind of sitting in church, hearing the stories, and going, "Wait, all these do they all believe it?" They, mm-hmm. they, don't think they fit all the animals in a boat, do they? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know in real life a single person that actually had that viewpoint. So I figured, like, oh, okay, I guess they know more than I don't know. Sh- shoot, maybe I'll just <laughs> keep that to myself.
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: uh, you know. And then I listened to punk rock music, and finally I got on the internet, and I was, oh, hey, there's, it's not just me. Okay. Uh-huh. And then it was more just a validation of like, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not yeah. crazy. About yeah.
0: about how old were you when you when you first uh, kind of fully pushed away from that you said you said until you were the age to where you could express to your parents is that how you put it around when was that uh well probably
1: about 11 or 12 i think mm-hmm. yeah somewhere around there
2: mm-hmm.
0: so did you you went through catechisms and stuff like that oh, or is that later? oh yeah, yeah i okay. had
1: catechism my my wednesday church classes mm-hmm. sometimes I go on saturdays oh boy sunday every morning mm-hmm. oh yeah the whole nine yeah that is the whole nine Mid- midnight mass before christmas yeah the
0: we're, we're the the church is probably the most full ever uh once a year the pre-christmas mass
1: oh yeah but i mean at least then you got i was a big comic book fan and we got the stained glass comic book interpretation of the all that so i was oh, yeah. maybe to go around and look at the story around the walls uh-huh. the look, look at the the mythos
0: of this superhero character that everyone's worshiping kind yeah
1: of. yeah oh, that's fun i mean you know you know Pre-electricity. It didn't take very good superpowers to convince everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, manifest wine. Uh-huh. Walk on water once. Give someone a Tylenol. Yeah. <laughs> they think you've healed them. Curse a tree to wither and die because its fruit wasn't fresh enough for you. You know, standard mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, right, right, right. I think that the...
0: when you, So, yeah, like I mentioned, you and I used to work together. I think that one of the first conversations that we had around anything philosophical was you talking about uh, the free will predestination oh, yeah. argument, or the free will lack of free will. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit, just as a, as, a, as a place to start? I think, if I remember, this is like two years ago almost now, but I think that you were saying that you, that you had a conversation with a friend in which you convinced them that there wasn't free will, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, it really comes down to, as a person who veered away from religion, I don't really believe in magic, mm-hmm. and... uh I feel like everything's just governed by the laws of physics, you know, we uh, all make these phones, the laptop you're using here to record this, Mm -hmm. even if you don't know how to work, you can just accept, like, there's scientists that know how it Uh, works, uh and they they know that because of what they've learned about the nature of reality and the rules that reality will predictably follow that Mm -hmm. let us do things like make GPS satellites and things like that, Mm -hmm. and... Your brain is not exempt from being governed by that mm-hmm. that set of rules that physics abides by. It's all just molecules and atoms bouncing around, electrons transferring from one thing to another. And free will, to me, implies that you could somehow just consciously choose to ignore all those interactions of chemicals inside your brain. You couldn't step off a building and choose to ignore the effect of gravity. Uh-huh. Why would you be able to ignore the effect that all these... 20 or so chemicals that make up your brain uh, patterns and mm-hmm. the synapses and neurons in your brain. You can't ignore that, you know, even if it feels like you can. I know it's a distressing, uncomfortable thought for a lot of people yeah. that we're not actually in control yeah. of ourselves, yeah. but...
0: Yeah, uh, and so that's that's kind of a good segue in into maybe the AI conversation. We kind of ease into that a little bit. And you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit the other night. I'm trying to think of how, how to best approach it. Um, do you see a distinctive a definable finite difference between the phenomenon of consciousness quote unquote and if i need to define that term further i can but between consciousness as is created by the human brain by by that sequence you know of of neurons and pathways and chemicals and things like that is there a distinctive difference in your mind between that and something that is simulating
1: or emulating that well you know that's that's actually a question that i uh wonder about myself. Mm-hmm. Um the the human brain is way more complicated than most people give it credit for. Uh there's there isn't a computer on the planet that can do as much raw processing as the brain does. Most of it's invisible and that's where that myth of like we only use ten percent of our brain mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah. Well, no, you use all of your brain, but you know if a gigantic portion of it is devoted to how to manipulate all of the muscles in your hand to grasp an object without you consciously thinking about it, that you're using that part of your brain. Right, yeah. You're not using it to uh-huh. think mm-hmm. or to feel emotions, but you're using it. Mm-hmm. And things like that take a lot more resources than uh, people realize. Yeah. And, your eyes take in enough information that it could fill the hard drive on my computer every single second. And so you have a huge portion of your brain devoted to just filtering through all that and figuring out what to show you. So we're a long ways off from being able to simulate an actual human brain. Mm -hmm. But last I know, there's a, a nematode has the fewest neurons in the brain of any kind of creature with a brain, and they've simulated the brain of a nematode in a computer Mm -hmm. and found that it reacts to stimuli exactly the same way as a real-life nematode does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, computer technology increases exponentially uh, when we do eventually get to the point where we can fully simulate Mm -hmm. a human brain. Yeah, that's that's a question I wonder about, is will that simulated brain that theoretically should still act this exact same way as a human brain would mm-hmm. in those situations, mm-hmm. would that perceive itself as being conscious, or mm. is that just some sort of fluke of the organic chemical nature of our makeup?
0: Do you think that there is a difference, or, two-parter, that it matters whether or not there is a difference between the external observable reactions of a brain, of a consciousness, quote-unquote, which I'm using air quotes intentionally, mm-hmm. Uh, But do you think that there is a difference or that matters whether or not there's a difference between the internal experience of a a brain, a consciousness that is simulated or not versus an organic one? Like, uh, in theory, if – let's say with the nematode example, if a nematode – which no one knows what the fuck that is, which is another scientific fact – would the experience of a simulated nematode versus the experience of an organic nematode be essentially different, or is there an experience of the simulated versus the organic, or does it matter? Uh, like if, if uh, like the, you know, the movie Her, or like one of those AI movies. What was that? Uh, Robin Williams movie, but Bionic Man or something like that. If if a simu, if an
1: AI, Mrs. Doubtfire.
0: Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire. That's the one where he's uh, he's Peter Pan and and he goes back to Neverland. Um is there does it matter if there's a difference between those two things? I guess I mean these are relative terms, even just saying does it matter or not.
1: Well, I, I tell you what, I don't I don't know if it matters or not, but if it does, mm-hmm. I think what causes the difference is gonna come down to parallel processing. Uh and to put that in perspective, say uh, when a computer is analyzing uh, a JPEG and, and doing when you're using Photoshop mm-hmm. or, you know, just using your phone to take out, you know, red eyes from a photograph, mm-hmm. the uh, a, a picture, a digital picture is, is a two dimensional structure. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's a grid from our point of view. But from the computer's point of view. It's broken down row by row and then those rows are linked together into just one long string of, of bits and information and a computer is so fast that even though it's going through it row by row by row by row, it, it can give us the illusion that it all processes simultaneously and then they do have mm-hmm. parallel processing when you you know when computers have four cores or eight cores or you have a supercomputer that has 256 cores or however many, You know, then it can kind of split that up and break it into chunks. But the organic nature of our brain, how every single neuron can be functioning independently, is -hmm. is basically we're on the exact opposite end of the spectrum where we don't have sort of a linear sequence of information. Our brain processes it fully in parallel, where Mm -hmm. all of all of our neurons are acting in tandem separately. Mm -hmm. And I think that the the if there is a difference between simulated intelligence being conscious or not conscious in us, mm-hmm. I feel like that would be the cause of it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that'll be the case, uh, I really don't have much to yeah. speculate on that, but...
0: It's a, maybe to word it in a way that makes it less... Uh, philosophical and more maybe uh, easily calculated and, and more mathematical and logical would do you think that there would be a difference in the outcome of anything physical or maybe even if, if uh, the weight of anything metaphysical if the exact same sequence of events that brought humanity to being humanity had been induced by artificial intelligence like what if what if all humans, were the byproduct of artificial intelligence, would this podcast happening right now have any different uh, consequence, like I said, metaphysical or physical as far as I doubt that you believe in a soul, but but as far as our experiences or the observable external experiences of of humanity goes.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that it would be different. I, I'm not even convinced that consciousness is anything more than just a, a byproduct yeah. of, of, you know, our brain needs a way to, uh, you know, humans or any kind of creature that's intelligent and can use intelligence rather than brute force and nature to survive and be the dominant species, mm-hmm. survival of the fittest, all that. If, if your route to do that is intelligence, well, that kind of implies that you can learn, and learning implies that you can remember what happened in the past. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's a reasonable idea that consciousness is really just a byproduct of mm. the fact that we remember things mm-hmm. and those, those kind of accumulating memories build up into some sort of uh story that we create in our head mm. that, that generates this kind of self-awareness mm-hmm. that we have. But I'm not convinced that if you stripped that all out and had a, a an electronically simulated brain, it, you know, if it, if it didn't have a self-awareness, mm-hmm. I feel like it would. it's reasonable that it would still produce these exact same actions mm-hmm. with or without this consciousness. Mm-hmm. When you say the stories that are created, this is kind of a silly question, I guess, but
0: are, are, are those stories created or, or brought into existence or uh, observable because of consciousness or, or would they exi- exist outside of it, I guess? would. Um, okay, let's, let's say, I'm getting kind of abstract here now, but w- let's say if, if, uh, if If you ran a simulation on a supercomputer that mimicked the universe and Earth and how everything has unfolded up to this point, and you and I were artificial intelligence um, that that were byproducts of this simulation or, or whatever it is,
1: this construct, would we still be having the same conversation? Oh, yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's fun. And are you trying to segue into simulated universe theories? Because Uh, Not not intentionally, but we can. Oh, yeah, because I'm 100% on board with that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think that a lot of the arguments that that creationists and uh, intelligent design people use... uh, I think I know what you're going to say. Apply equally well cool, yeah. to us being in a simulated world, <laughs> right. but are just a hundred times more likely—not even a hundred, many more orders orders of magnitude more—more more likely uh-huh. that we're simulated. You know, and and I'm so, not going to lie. There's oh, there's, cool. there's 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 some evidence in physics. That really is pretty compelling when you look at it in a way of intelligent design. Uh, the strong nuclear force that holds protons and neutrons together, if it were 2%, I want to say is what they came up with, uh-huh. uh, if it were 2% stronger than it is, and, you know, why Why is gravity as powerful it is, as it is? Why isn't gravity just a little bit weaker mm-hmm. or a little bit stronger? Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? It could be either. Right. Strong nuclear force that holds the nucleus of an atom together, if that were just a little bit stronger then different kinds of atoms would form that wouldn't react under pressure and create fission and fusion and keep the sun lit up and there wouldn't be solar systems for us to be living on if it Mm -hmm. were just off by 2%. And there's a lot of fundamental constants in physics that if they were off by 1 or 2% in either direction stronger or weaker right. none of this would be here mm-hmm. and so you can look at that and say oh yeah see god had to design right, it all yeah, well yeah. but
0: that's the that that presump or that observation is the basis for a lot of fundamentalist rhetoric a yeah, lot of christian creationist also, rhetoric also
1: if you were going to say build a simulation to see how societies evolved and you know behavior on a large scale of organisms say you were going to simulate that in a super powerful computer and again computer advancements exponential so even if that kind of level of computing is inconceivable now mm. it's not going to be forever mm-hmm. and if it's possible that at some point in a thousand two thousand years you can build a computer that can simulate an entire planet and all of the organisms that live on it if that's possible then that species would probably have done it Mm -hmm. a billion times running their simulations when we run simulations to see how things happen we run millions and millions of them overnight because computers are so fast so why wouldn't some hypothetical advanced civilization that's Mm -hmm. trying to study how the universe came about or whether life forms did this or that Mm -hmm. they would run billions of simulations so you think like okay there's uh there's, on one hand, there's the odds that a uh, god created all of this, and that's has uh, the one scenario. Or there's the scenario where you have a computer that's run billions of attempts to simulate, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you may have. And mm-hmm. a lot of physics actually works in a way that, to me, mirrors the way computers work yeah. on a programming level. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, um, you kind of the way that you're describing that makes me think that a lot of people... Well, I don't know a whole lot of people who fully buy into, like, simulation theory and things like that, um, which, for the listener, in case you're unaware, because this is, these are topics that we don't talk about a whole lot on this podcast, but uh, is the idea that we're in a simulation. I guess the easiest, uh, most readily uh, available examples like the Matrix or something Matrix, like that. Matrix yeah, a yeah. good... Yeah, uh-huh. but um, I think a lot of the people that I know that do subscribe to that or, or like to entertain that theory... A, a part of their approach to understanding that is is kind of uh, similar to the Matrix, where where there's a conscious organism, or a, a consciousness, a source of consciousness, that is plugged into a simulation. But if if it is fully a simulation, if what we are observing is literally like a a, a computer simulation um, being run by. You know, a metaphysical god or a physical alien, you know, whatever, whatever. Or or just, you know, nerds from 4,000 years in the future. Yeah, yeah, that too. Then, um, would our experience of consciousness, could that just be a byproduct? Like, let's say you're playing The Sims. Would our experience of consciousness be any less valid than the experience of an avatar or, or, or of a character in The Sims? You know what I mean? Like, would uh, like, what if this is all just a bunch of numbers and simulation? That doesn't necessarily mandate that we have to be pre-existing conscious entities plugged into a simulation. We oh, no, could just be the not. byproduct of a
1: simulation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, y- you know, uh, not, not believing in free will and stuff, uh, having a consciousness and knowing that you have a consciousness, from my point of view, doesn't change what your actions are going to be. So... Who's to say that an entire ant colony doesn't sort of somehow have some sort of self-awareness totally, of itself? Yeah. It wouldn't change how mm-hmm. they behave, and we wouldn't perceive that consciousness in action. Mm-hmm. But they might have uh, a, a, an internal world just as a whole. colony. Uh, and then that's, your, your brain is made up of a collection of billions mm-hmm. of individual single cells sure. that collectively have this existence. So, you know, why couldn't? All of the nuclei in a neutron star right. have its own totally. self-awareness. Uh-huh. Yeah, or
0: the planets in a solar system, or you know the the uh, the solar systems in a galaxy, or the galaxies in you know wh- whatever unit you want to go up to. You can you can probably draw parallels there. That kind of brings up questions of like, uh, is it? And I'm kind of asking these questions: Is it important one way or the other? Of course, we don't know. Are you? Would you call yourself a nihilist? Or does it not matter, man? That's
1: the real answer. If you're a true nihilist, you'd be like,
0: what is nihilism?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't even really, I don't spend a lot of time trying to categorize myself like yeah. that. I just try and kind of go about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Seems like you have a fun time doing it, too. Yeah, you know. You <laughs> seem to enjoy things. I mean, I'm making the most of it. A lot of times, even if we did have some kind of free will, so much of the external structure of our world really boxes you into a certain kind Mm. of, like, yeah, you could be a nihilist and just sit around in your own filth and (laughs) do anything, but, like, Uh you, you know, that's really not that much... Different than going through the motions and like oh, I got to go to work and mm-hmm. get this job I hate and get up and I gotta right. keep my teeth brushed and I got uh-huh. uh, to wash these clothes so people don't think I'm stinky and just go through <laughs> yeah this, you know you're still just going through this endless loop and, right you know at the, at the point that we're at lay like, what does it what does it really matter like whether or not any of right. this consciousness is mm-hmm. uh, whether it's whether it's relevant or whether it changes the fundamental nature of our existence mm-hmm. like. No, I perceive things, and some things make me feel good, and some things make me feel bad, so within the confines of my illusional choices, I'm going to try and make the choices that result in more good than bad. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Uh, did
0: you ever believe in Santa Claus?
1: Oh, uh, no, but not really only because uh, my parents didn't really push it too hard. Oh, I see. Interesting.
0: Did they push the god thing pretty hard or was that just kind of a cultural kind of incidental part of part of your of, of of their uh belief system or of their life
1: Uh yeah, I for sure got that pushed on me. I remember getting into lots of arguments about, mm. you know, I'd be on the the kind of side of well, if this is the case, then why this and then why that mm-hmm. and then then the faith answers coming down on me. Right.
2: Mhm. Mhm.
1: Um, and you have you have a brother? Does he retain
0: any of that religious upbringing at all?
1: Oh no, certainly not him no. either.
0: No, okay, interesting. So you were uh, a military man? Yes, that's right. For a while. Um, do you want to talk a little bit, a little bit about that? Maybe just give a little bit of your background and and your story. That's of, uh, like what's brought you to where you are now.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of had a weird route through the military. I I I, I signed up to be a cav scout, uh, which is basically glorified infantry. Okay. They're uh, they're more uh, like forward recon, um, kind of an outdated idea, given the wars that we're in right now, mm-hmm. um, and given the technology we have. Forward recon, yeah. You know, originally they'd be the guys on the horses that went oh, out okay. went out front, saw what the enemy unit Scouting. was up to. Yeah, scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays they just act as like a glorified SWAT team and. Uh, yeah that's what I signed up for. I wanted to go out and have somebody shoot at me and see if it would make somebody make me make me take my life a little more seriously. Huh. Uh, it didn't end up turning out like that. I got stationed at a research and development lab and so I right. saw all kinds of technical sides of the army and then i uh switched up my job and started doing satellite internet to get uh-huh. my hands in the more technical stuff you, you went back to school for a little while
0: uh doing computer stuff and it uh, <laughs> I, I like the stories that you tell me about. Um, going back to school and, and, and being like speech and debate class, or I'm not sure, was it just debate classes specifically? I did
1: take a debate class debate debate as one of my, one of my yeah. electives, that's
0: right uh-huh. something that I like a lot about you is that you can assume any side any position of a debate and I, do an amazing job I, oh, of selling real? it I, I
1: actually enjoy arguing for a viewpoint opposed to my own yeah. just just for the challenge of uh-huh. it for the exercise yeah Oh,
0: that's Nick
1: I believe we're Hold getting on. some let's pause for Yeah, let's pause
0: for a sec. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, we're back. Yeah, we took, a, we took a little break. Took a little break. I think.
0: mm mm-hmm. okay. I think so, as far as I can recall.
1: So, Mike. Yes. Here's a question I came up with.
0: Okay. If you were God...
1: Oh, yeah, I like where this is going. hmm Okay.
0: What uh, laws of physics and or uh,
1: morality would you set in place, Michael? whoa. This is that's that's a real thinker right there. That's a head scratcher. I thought of it because
0: you mentioned um, you kind of alluded to it, talking about like maybe uh, laws of
1: physics or mathematics that you might. You kind of just vaguely. Kind oh of, yeah, but that was in the context of if I were a programmer that was going to create. Well, that's my the own question. Universe. Yeah,
0: if you made a simulation. From, from that,
1: if we're talking about like the the kind of judeo-christian god that i have just complete and total control over anything Mm -hmm. then presumably the laws of physics wouldn't need to be as efficient as they are uh but if i was programming a simulated universe there's definitely some things i would do like uh when you play a video game it doesn't it doesn't draw all the graphics unless you're looking at them Mm -hmm. and uh one of the one of the infamous quantum physics experiments the the double slit experiment Uh if you've ever heard of it yeah sure uh you know that that really shows that the location of a photon of light doesn't resolve itself until you observe Observe it it, or until it interacts with something and Uh in the way that if you're playing Fortnite or whatever the kids are playing these days (laughs) yeah uh, Tic-tac-toe. It's not... It's, yeah, whatever's behind you <laughs> isn't getting drawn. Those parts are just stored in the computer as, uh, as a set of numbers that just describe where things will be once you do look at them. And then when you look at them, it draws them on your screen. And uh, That seems like a real efficient way to design a universe mm-hmm. if you're going to simulate it. Mm-hmm. If I was an omniscient deity, though, I would... Uh, uh, and I had control over all kinds of morality and actually cared about that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that I'd definitely take a back seat over whether or not people worshipped me and mm-hmm. tithed the priests mm-hmm. and more about them just doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I like to think also that I wouldn't be petty enough to damn people to eternal torment yeah. just for a couple of slip-ups. That's know? a funny thing that, that humans seem to be a lot better at than the
0: Judeo-Christian Yahweh. He, he is a vengeful is, God. He's is a vengeful God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that verse in Psalms that you've quoted to me a couple times about bashing the heads of the infants? Uh, Happy
1: shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stone. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair, it is talking about uh, a tribe taking vengeance on their former oppressors after they escape slavery, Mm -hmm. which, okay, yeah, you know, get a little vengeance, but Mm -hmm. happy? Happy (laughs) he shall be? Yeah. Dasheth thy little ones against the stone, Uh like... That's just you know what are you just you picking up infants by the ankles? <laughs> yeah, and right. Taking a good swing against the old the old rock slab uh, yeah. on the edge of town. <laughs> yeah, guys, guys, isn't this great? We got we got our vengeance. <laughs> Whoop. Yep, that'll teach him.
0: Kind of following up on that question, uh, would you, would you put more weight in? Would you put any weight in morality if you were? Let's just again to, to go back to the Sims comparison. Uh, if you were creating a simulation in which you were an omnipotent god, uh, would, would you assign any consequences for
1: morality, for, for moral uh, choices? I really think that depends on, on what my my hypothetical in, in this scenario, what my motivation yeah. is for creating this universe. Yep, sure. if, if we're creating this to for shits and giggles find or, out something uh-huh. or just to observe, then the morality kind of goes out the wayside. If we're if we're just making a glorified Petri dish on, on the scale of an omniscient, omnipotent deity, then I don't think morality matters as much. We say, hey, let's, let's see what happens if we give them this world to play in. You yeah. know? But uh, I guess if I were some sort of you know, narcissist that just wanted to appease my own ego and have a bunch of people bowing before me, then yeah. Oh yeah. That's an interesting question is if the
0: Judeo Christian God were or is a a factual conscious entity, what is his or their motivation? What's this guy trying to accomplish by having a singular world religion be the correct one and the awareness of it and the cognizance of it be a, a determining factor in eternal fate for for you know conscious souls the what's this guy up to what's God up to Mike
1: well uh he He's didn't have like, a dick huh he didn't like how dark it was oh that's true so, so I know that he wanted some light he couldn't see very well probably yeah, yeah. so he just brightened up the place a little bit uh-huh um, there was something with, he did something with the Aether, the Aether, whatever Either. it was, yeah, uh-huh. he did that, and, uh, the Firmament came the into firmament. play, I think, I remember hearing Can't about forget the Firmament. About that. yeah. Uh, I and love, then he, I love that Firmament. And then I, he told us to fuck until we overpopulated the planet mm-hmm. and subjugate everything in our reach, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're pretty good at that part, we've got that nailed. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good at that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like there's a lot of wasted space, though, just to... Like, if you're going to create Earth and humans just so that they can, you know, have dominion over this planet Mm. and multiply, he he really gave us a lot of room to do that. That's true. That's a good point.
0: Do you see any practical, pragmatic application for religion? Because, you know, in, in any human culture that we're at all familiar with, there's usually some sort of a... Uh, something that is adjacent to religion, some sort of moral code.
1: Oh, for sure, do yeah, you,
0: yeah. Why do you think that? Why do you think that, that tendency to gravitate towards what we call religion or um, a, a commonly accepted worldview? Why do you think that that's such an integral part of, of humans?
1: Uh, I, I, honestly, as much as I don't believe in it, I really do think that religion is what got us past being glorified primates mm. uh, huh. you know, you know I, th- I feel like once upon a time humans were just living in little tribes of you know a couple families that lived generation to generation wandering around you know before they invented agriculture and were still like out killing deer and stuff and uh, and they'd meet another tribe and now you have to wonder like oh are they gonna rape and eat us or should we do that to them first mm-hmm. or what's gonna ha-? you know they're, they're they're never gonna coexist with each other peacefully Until all of a sudden there's an eclipse or something and everyone goes, oh, what was that? And then they Mm -hmm. invent religion and now they have sort of a a father figure to Mm -hmm. guide them and put down rules that may not be beneficial individually, but beneficial to the society. And, you know, we don't have records of anything past a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. you know there's thousands and thousands of years the humans were roaming around that we have no idea what they were up to yeah but i feel like it's pretty likely that religion helped bridge the gap between wandering tribes and then multiple tribes working together and forming some sort of of civilization so for sure i definitely see practical and and positive applications of religion
0: okay um so, would you say, based off what you just said, uh, am I am I right in piecing together that ever since humanity has been Homo sapiens sapiens, ever since we have been whatever iteration of mammal that we are now, ever since that has been our uh, conscious state, has religion also existed? And if so. Is there is there a place that we can work towards, or, or, or that would incidentally come about, where that's not a factor determining our decisions? Uh, like, is there a place where humanity is not influenced by
1: uh, a, a religion, um, loo- loosely defined? I think that's can, a whole wandering, tough question to answer. It I, is but wandering. I, I feel like that's, yeah. where I would go with that is that uh, I think that ever since it was invented or discovered, whichever uh. your viewpoint may be. Mm. Uh, for the common man, mm. the, the the people on the bottom of the of the food chain, so to speak, they've had religion. Mm-hmm. But what the people at the top were using it for yeah. it has has strayed noticeably from mm-hmm. you know what the guiding principles mm-hmm. are. Uh, whether it's enslaving everyone to build a giant pyramid right. to honor your sun god, or mm.
0: would you speculate that religion? And I'm using really broad terms here, but that but that religion came about organically and then was hijacked by the the higher ups by the more
1: intellectual, selfish, maybe evil. Uh, well, well, yeah, for sure. And I, you know, and that's not even ascribing whether or not it was a conscious decision or whether it was just in our own incidental kind tribal of. human nation or nature to say I'm going to use what I have to ensure the survival of me and my own, my, mm-hmm. whether it be my family or my board of shareholders. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna use my advantage to secure more advantage mm-hmm. because you know, we have a hundred thousand years of of genetic memory that teaches us that survival is a precarious thing. Mm-hmm. And if you got a threat out there, you gotta bash it with a stick until it's not a threat. And right. if you have a disagreement, then you got to bash somebody with a stick until you win the argument. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like no matter how much technology we have, you know, we, we still have that nature within us,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like as a survival mechanic kind of thing. Yeah, or just yeah, just fight or flight. Mm-hmm. If, if at the end of the day, if your logic and reasoning and intelligence isn't winning your argument for you, you can always just punch <laughs> yeah. until you're the last one standing. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, you know, so if, if people discover or invent religion and all of a sudden they have all these ideas about extra powerful spirits and mm-hmm. stuff that guide and dictate their lives, then somebody's got to eventually rise up as the, the leader or the speaker for that. And then
2: mm-hmm.
1: whether they're doing it purposefully or not, it's it's in their nature to to try and ensure their own comfort and their own survival and mm-hmm. their own accumulation of advantages that they're going to do that, whether it's. For malign purposes, or whether it's just uh, some sub- kind of subconsciously driving their nature mm-hmm. uh interesting note that I just uh read about the other day was that uh the uh, one of the earliest known human built structures is uh from about nine thousand b c about eleven thousand years ago, and also around eleven thousand years ago was the brightest known supernova that would have been seen. From hmm. Earth, it would have been bright enough to see during the daytime. Wow! So, I feel like it's that's that's a neat little idea to contemplate of uh, you know a hundred thousand years of these primates that are slowly learning to use tools and developing a more and more complex language, uh, and then all of a sudden there's another sun in the sky mm. for a couple of days, and yeah. then it goes away, and now they got to figure out what that was about, and oh heck. We didn't do that. Mm-hmm. We're back. Every we're used to everything being static up there. You know, it goes around and around and changes day to day. But for the most part, you know, sun still comes up in the morning. We don't get a second one out of nowhere. Yeah. Now we got to explain that. And then once you explain that, and say, oh man, maybe there's this powerful spirit in the sky controlling yeah. everything. Uh, we better make sure it's not angry at us. We don't want that first <laughs> yeah. sun to go out. That's pretty important to us. Right. I like having daytime to go out and be warm in. You know. So like, uh-huh. let's let's build this giant. Structure, of like pile a bunch of rocks together and uh-huh. get as high as we can, and say, "Hey, we, we built a thing kill for you." Kill a virgin on top of it. Yeah. Hey, you got to eat too. You're looking pretty hungry up there. <laughs> I'm just gonna kill these people that are, <laughs> yeah. aren't pulling their own weight around here. Uh huh.
0: Would you? Do you think that that humanity as a collective is progressing towards uh, being more intelligent? Would you say that, like, because of science and because of interconnectivity uh globally would you say that we're we're progressing towards a point of being more aware
1: of the things around us i will say my my viewpoint on whether or not all of our technology is making us smarter is not necessarily it's 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 doing the same thing that any of our tools have done right mankind's big advantage the thing that pulled us Mm -hmm. away from the beasts uh Use of tools. In, in, unless we were made this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was, yeah, we could I, use the tools. look on your face. We could... <laughs> w- we, we, can, we can have a weakness. We get cold at night, right? And somebody learns how to make a fire on demand and not just wait for a lightning to hit a tree. And now, we're not cold at night. So now that's one less thing that's going to kill us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got these tigers. So we're cat. learning yeah, we got practical, practical tools. We're, we're using technology e- mm. in even its most basic form uh-huh. to augment what we can't do ourselves. If we got Mm. these bears come in and kill us every once in a while, we got to live in fear of that. They can climb trees. How how do we hide from that? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, now we know how to sharpen a big, giant, long stick and can Mm -hmm. stab them to death before they even get to us, right? Right. Oh, man. Now that we're not getting killed by bears, we got so many people. We got a lot more mouths to feed. I can't fish that many fish out of the river. And then this guy over here figures out a a more efficient way to plant food in the ground and just have it grow for us. And now we've got agriculture. Now Mm -hmm. we can support a ton of people but now all these people are running out of fresh water and we make aqueducts and then this and that happens mm. and so and now we have too Into many people plumbing. to even to even pass along our oral histories and stuff so we invent a way to in code our language into tablets and pass Mm -hmm. that along so that we don't even need to talk to people. And I feel like computers are really just an extension of that, a really sophisticated one. But it's, hey, uh, some of the problems that we're dealing with now require lots of math, and that's really hard. Mm -hmm. I'm going to build this thing that just does the math for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it seems like magic now, but it's really just another step in an unending Mm -hmm. 10,000 years of us inventing newer and newer technologies. Right,
0: yeah. Would you see? Would you would you see that? Uh, do you think that that the recognition or the discovery again, however you want to uh, word that
1: with your worldview? Oh, it's uh, our show. You can offend your listeners if you want. I didn't. I didn't want to take the initiative and offend your listeners for yeah. you. So well, thank you, you. Yeah, that means a lot. Uh, would you see that the advent of? I'm
0: going to use the the chocolate calendar word: advent of religion or i'm sorry of of the scientific method as being um a gateway to moving away from religion or do you think that atheism and science um replaces religion or or becomes a new religion uh, i know that i'm this is kind of what i was setting up with oh, that I- previous question is I, I think that uh i, I think That, like, new atheism, new atheists, neo-atheists, whatever they want to call themselves, I I see a lot of parallels with fundamentalists in different belief systems. Okay. I think that fundamentalist uh, Christians and fundamentalist uh, neo-atheists have some similarities in um, rejecting a certain system of thought, of belief, and uh, kind of almost blindly almost blindly adhering to whatever uh, system of beliefs they have embraced. And I'm just curious, would you see the trajectory of human thought moving away from religion, or do you think that in moving away from religion, that's establishing almost a new approach or a a, a,
1: uh, different... I I definitely feel like technology, or well, not not technology. I feel like science and the scientific method is absolutely uh, uh, an entirely different pathway than religion I feel like they, they don't have a lot of overlap and i I have really uh, an analogy you've already spilled the beans about our, our D&D right so yeah you're, you're familiar with dice right sure so let me let me pose a question uh, somebody says that they have a die a six-sided die uh-huh. for the viewers their listeners that aren't familiar with octahedrons and stuff like that <laughs> uh-huh. uh, say you have a six-sided die and your and your friend claims that uh, it only rolls ones okay how would you go about trying to prove that it only rolls once?
0: Yeah, I mean, your your sample size would obviously be limited by how many times you could test that yeah, theory. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, but where's where's the threshold? If you rolled, say, if you roll the die, you say, all right, yeah, right, buddy, well, it only rolls once. So you mm. roll it three times and it comes up a one every time. Right. You go, like, oh, wow, well, that's a real coincidence, mm-hmm. right? But, well, you know, where's the threshold for it to be proven to right. only roll once? Sure. You roll it a thousand exactly. times and, in a row. It has to equal infinity. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like in that example, the difference between religion and science is that the two people in this scenario, one of them says, No, look, this only rolls once. And they roll it and say, Oh, it only rolls once. Right. And uh, the other person says, Well, you know, that, that still could happen. I mean, it yeah, doesn't right. necessarily prove it. It, uh-huh. it might be really likely, but maybe yeah. something else might come up still. Right. And then after a thousand rolls or something, you get a three. Okay, and the first guy goes, no, that was a fluke. You moved it. And the second guy says, no, that right there, it shows us that it doesn't always roll once. Uh-huh. And that's 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 the big misconception, is that a lot, I feel like I run into a lot of people that doubt science, whether it be, you know, like, oh, the Earth is flat, or... Oh. Uh, you run into a lot of flat Earthers? Uh, no, not <laughs> who really. Who are you hanging not, out with, no, I'm actually am not convinced that they're real, because that, that subset uh-huh. I've only ever uh-huh. seen online, uh, or, like, a documentary or two. But, <laughs> but no, you, I've definitely met people who deny climate change, right? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And a, and a common argument is that, all oh, the scientists are just out to prove their own theories but that's that's a completely false outlook on science uh-huh. because just like the die you can have a theory you can have e equals mc square and it doesn't matter how many times mm-hmm. you replicate that mm-hmm. it's still not proven right. what you're doing is you're searching for one time yeah. that it doesn't happen and disprove mm-hmm. it and then modify from there scientist right. is always looking to disprove their own theory because that means they're on the wrong the, track yeah. they, they don't want to be on the wrong track right so yeah and that's,
0: that's, this, that's a good topic to go into also, is that the scientific method approaches theories. You know, The null hypothesis is very important. You're not proving a hypothesis, you're trying to nullify it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, honestly, you know what? I know that one of my main listeners is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Come at me, bro. But I feel... <laughs> I, is he really? No. Oh, man, you got all. my hopes up. No, no, sorry about that. Uh, but I think that there are a lot. there is a school of thought, I think, in popular science right now that um, can get a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant, and say, no, we, we, we know these things. These are laws of physics. They are proven. But I think that that goes against the very nature of the scientific method and of approaching uh, analyzing reality. I think I think that getting too cocky and too confident in any theorem is dangerous.
1: Yeah, I think, and also that's a a distinction that some people miss is science versus math. Mm -hmm. And in math, you prove your theories. Right. Uh, Science just uses math as the language to talk about your theories. So Mm. sometimes the formulas will convert from one thing to another, and you can prove that they convert that way because of the way the language works. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily prove anything about how our reality works. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Yeah.
0: yeah, So we were talking about AI and uh, something that I've talked to you about before is the idea that the next, and uh, this is another loose term I'm using, but the, the next evolution of humanity is is AI, and that if humans are to populate other uh, solar systems, other galaxies, it will be through the surrogate uh, or the surrogate of AI or the extension of humanity that is physically manifested as AI. Um, do, do you want to? Do, do you have any takes on that? Like, is it any less valid of an iteration? Of humanity or of I keep saying consciousness, but that's kind of that's. Kind oh, of...
1: Yeah. well, yeah. Sorry, I see what you're saying. I think that my my personal thought on AI is, uh, and just in, just in case I haven't gone over it with you or whoever's listening, I think there's a big distinction between specialized and general AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know specialized sounds more impressive, but it's not. That's the easy kind. Specialized AI can win a game of checkers. Mm-hmm. That's what it's specialized right. in. General AI would be an AI that can do what we do and encounter a new problem and figure out on its own how to solve something that it's never come across right. and that one's still far outside of our reach uh but i feel like and i'm i'm not the only one who's expressed this I, th- I think even uh i've read a Stephen Hawking quote where he talks about this that if humanity ever does create a general ai like that's that's it that's just a new era in history right now from then on history is divided into before we had a general ai and after we had a general ai do you think that is it just technology is it just the the machines that
0: we use to create these things or the computers the processors that we use is that the only barrier between um a uh an ai that fully
1: replicates
0: the human mind
1: well, like, the, like we talked about earlier, as far like if you, as... Just, if you
0: had the formula to reproduce a human brain, do you think there would be any distinction between that and the reproduction?
1: I uh, not in the behavior of it. Um, yeah. I don't think that creating a simulation of a human is going to be what cracks general AI, though. But using that as an example to show just how uh, dangerous an AI could be, is that if you did have a computer that simulated accurately a human's brain Mm. and whether or not it actually felt it is kind of irrelevant. It could still behave from an external observer's point of view as if it had emotions and awareness and things like that, right? It would make the same decisions presented with the same stimuli, but we have these meat sponges in our head that are limited to actual physical chemicals being carried around by protein motors and all kinds of craziness that's going on in our brain. Computers are operating with electrons at the speed of light, right? I think uh, I had read that the the human brain operates at something around the equivalent of 200 hertz. And we already Hmm. have computers that are in the gigahertz. You know, that's pretty much the standard for a processor. So if you did have a human... uh, An example that I thought of was, you know, when people... Doubt how powerful an AI would be. Imagine that you had to convince somebody to do a thing, anything. It doesn't matter. Say, say you're in a room and you have to convince somebody to give you the key to get out. It might be really hard. You might be in a scenario where it might take a couple of years and you'd never convince them. Mm. If you had ten thousand years, right, mm. and didn't have to eat or sleep. And you had 10,000 years to just sit in stillness and peace and quiet and come up with the absolute right combination of words to convince this person Mm -hmm. to give you a key and let you out of this room. Mm -hmm. You'd probably be able to do it. Right. That 10,000 years is the equivalent of just leaving this computer on overnight. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd probably also have the, the, the trial and error to reference of being like, oh, well... When I said this word to that person, they reacted in this way. Or like when, uh, you know, maybe they even, their experience and their conditioning makes them react to a certain word, uh, you know, as a trigger negatively or positively. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. If-thens. Yeah. Um, so you, you said when you were responding to that last question, you were saying if an A, you said whether or not an AI actually felt Something, yeah, or what would distinguish an AI from you know, uh, I guess a human? I think you use some phrases like that. So, what's the determining factor then? This is kind of what I started our conversation with. If an AI is fully generated and fully simulated, what is distinguishing a human experience? Which, again, another vague term, but a um. An organic experience of an incident, a theoretically incidental consciousness, uh, which can only be theoretical because, like we said, we can't prove one way or the other if we're in a simulation or not. Uh, but but what would distinguish those two things? What would distinguish the the AI experience versus the organic experience?
1: I don't think that either case would make a difference to anything other than the AI in question. Uh, if you found out if, if somebody pulled the curtains back mm-hmm. and you learned the secrets to the universe and it turned out that you were the only conscious entity in the universe mm-hmm. um, but then you had to go back to your daily routine <laughs> yeah would it really change all that much it's oh, like the Truman Show yeah I mean, you, you know, you might have uh, uh, people that you might have uh, the thought that, oh, if people don't really feel anything, I could just do whatever I want. Like, no, because you'll still get arrested mm-hmm. and people will still fight. Oh, back, yeah, right. Right. You're yeah. still going to have to play In effect, yeah. with all these rules. Wow. Is it really like would it would really change anything? And And how can you even know that there's no experiment that you can do oh, to show that the person you're talking to. Is a self-aware creature mm-hmm. and not just a big mm. cellular meat robot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could poke them with a stick and they'll exhibit a pain response. Mm-hmm. But I could program a robot to do that, right? Yeah, I think that's the second or third time that you used the phrase
0: "self-aware" in this conversation. Okay, yeah what What do you mean by that? By being self-aware, like, couldn't you argue that uh, that a Furby is self-aware? That a that a a mechanized uh, you know robot is self-aware, like what, what do you, how do you define that
1: term? Well, Oh, for my point of view, you couldn't argue that. But then again, I feel like I couldn't even argue that about you sure. and you couldn't argue that about me. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I think therefore I am, it's that argument. Mm-hmm. You can, you can know that you are a thinking, feeling creature that has this internal monologue and experiences time as a series of events Mm -hmm. that affect you and but there's nothing that can ever happen unless we invent some sort of mind melding or whatever that there's nothing that can happen that Mm -hmm. can present solid evidence that anyone else is or anything else is Mm -hmm. be it a computer program or another person Mm -hmm. or a colony of ants so uh self-awareness can ever or
0: assertion of self-awareness it sounds like you're saying can ever only be a first person statement you can only ever assert that I think, therefore I am. You oh yeah, absolutely. you can't assert you think, therefore you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the way I look at it for sure. Hmm. That's pretty good.
0: So something else that we've talked about, Mike, is, uh, and I think that your grasp on this is a lot, uh, a lot more in depth than mine. But but the idea of life forms or entities that are not carbon based, um, we, we I know that we've had a discussion before where. Uh, we we kind of agreed that yeah there there probably is other other self aware life which both of those terms are are also kind of vague uh, once again but uh, other there's probably has arisen other self aware iterations of life apart from humanity how this is just kind of a thought experiment how would you see those other things arising would it have to be specifically an earth like planet in a Goldilocks zone. Where every little thing lines up perfectly, could there be um, well, methane-based life forms? Well, yeah, I
1: mean, if you had uh, if you had life forms that weren't carbon-based, uh, I would imagine they'd have radically different temperature thresholds of what they found sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just that carbon has such a knack for for making. It's a almost, versatile... Yeah, it can just it can just chain together almost forever. Uh-huh. And you can make just incredibly complicated molecules with carbon uh-huh. that you can't make without carbon, at least not that we've ever observed. And the more complicated the molecules you can make, the more complicated the thing you can make out of them. Mm-hmm. So,
0: As a building block.
1: I, I just feel like uh, I, I wouldn't rule out a life form being not carbon-based, but I would say that it's a lot less likely.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Apart from the
0: utilitarian applications of religion and of culturally backed worldviews, I guess, do you retain anything from religion or do you observe anything from, from any religion that that's, that you think you can consciously acknowledge affects the way that you interact with people?
1: Is there any <laughs> is there a baby in the bathwater? <laughs> I I think that I think that Jesus was really on point. Yeah, he had a great message. Really, he had a great message. It doesn't matter. Hey, I'm gonna treat this prostitute nice. Mm. I'm gonna treat this this thief nice. I'm gonna treat this murderer nice. Because mm-hmm. man, we're all we're all stuck in this same grind. You know, we all got the same trials and tribulations to go through. Let's just. Let's just look out for each other. Let's yeah. let's just help each other out. That's nice. Uh, whether or not people actually do that, or they just say like, uh, "Jesus said I should hate you because you like to have sex with people's buttholes." But right, um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I, I don't remember reading about any of that in the New G- Testament. I don't remember right. the Gospel of Mark. Uh-huh. Uh, but. <laughs> Jesus is an awful lot more woke than his dad, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Comparatively. He was, he was the hippie. You know yeah. that You know that if Jesus was around 2,000 years later than he was, he'd be smoking a lot of weed. For sure. He'd be he'd be the one telling his friends, all of his disciples, hey, hey have you guys heard about LSD? Yeah. I mean, look, I could just talk to you about this stuff, but it would be a lot easier if you just saw it for yourself. Just try it out. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll commune with God a lot easier this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about like the the historicity of the Bible and about about the the literature itself?
1: Do you, have you ever looked into? Uh, Are you talking about uh, like Council of Ni- 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 Nicaea? Well, Nicaea, that's uh, the one. Yeah, yeah, that's that kind of, of stuff. Or, uh,
0: yeah, um, it, it, I mean, just I, it would be before that. I guess what I'm kind of driving at is, I, I wonder if you think that the people who wrote the scripture, the, you know, uh Christian scripture and things like that, if they were convinced of what they were talking about?
1: That's a good question, and I don't, you know,
0: it's hard to say. Uh,
1: because...
0: I mean, I would bet money that they did not actually see a man walk on water unless he was pulling off some some, some sort of magic trick.
1: Yeah, you that, know? yeah, I have a little bit of a hard time seeing that actually having happened, but, uh, think think about it this way if we didn't have newspapers and radio and stuff like that it's pretty easy to imagine Gandhi becoming a prophet in some religion down the road uh gathering yeah, his, sure, yeah. you know creating the movement and freeing his people mm-hmm. from the clutches of the evil empire and all that you know so it's it's really easy in my mind to be, think of mm-hmm. Jesus as just a a, a Gandhi or whatever other kind of esque figure that came along before technology allowed the rapid spread of information and things could get distorted in the, yeah. in the telephone game of oral histories and passing sure. things on word of mouth.
0: That's interesting. Do you think that there is a line, um, however blurry or or static? Do you think that there is a line between a school of thought and a religion? Do you think that there is a point when? uh when a world view becomes a religion is it is it uh leaning more towards being a cult or being um being limiting in how you're allowed to to view the world like what what distinguishes a religion from just an
1: an observation or about about how the world works I, i'd say codified rules that take precedent over observation mm, yeah where mm-hmm. You know, if you really follow the scripture, there's no room for your own personal opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah, this is the way they said to do it. Yeah. And that's the way I'm going to follow it. Right. You don't see him going, yeah, you know, back then adultery was a bad thing, but like nowadays we live in a modern progressive society. Mm-hmm. You know, people are swinging and we got this <laughs> yeah. and that going on. Uh-huh. Maybe let's rethink that. Like, no, that's religion says let's not rethink that. Here's the rules. I've got 10 of them, and that's, that's uh, yeah. one of them. That's on there. Huh. Uh, whereas a worldview would be more of just a, you know, the, the principles of it mm-hmm. try not to hurt people. Yeah. Okay. Well, if my partner's okay with a little swinging. And it's not right, it's not adultery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: if you were to give a a thesis statement you know of your personal code of your if you if you started a
1: religion, what's that sound like? I, you know what it would be pretty similar to Jesus uh and you know i I don't spend as much time thinking about religion these days i I, I did that and I figured out what I thought about it and I moved on to other things i mm. I spend more time. Learning about you know technology and physics and all that and crazy stuff that scientists are discovering and and then uh, you know I realize wow we have the we have the technology to have these metal boxes that float around the planet and beam your coordinates to you so that you just never get lost again hmm. we have we have such resources and knowledge and technology at our disposal that we could we could do whatever we want and what's what's the end result is that we just you know we have like 13 people that have all of it and then that's that's not right like it's it's uh one of the more saddening things to me if you look at society is how much potential humans have mm. with their intelligence and their technology and we're still just worrying about who to hate and f- for what differences mm, yeah. and how to just enrich ourselves mm-hmm. and how to make sure that that guy over there isn't getting any of my riches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I, if I could instill a code in other people, it would be a man. We could all have a great time if we all just pitched in a little bit and help yeah. each other out. Like just mm-hmm. be nice to a couple people. Everyone wants the world to be a better place, but like what, you know, thing, what have you done to, Make it a better place. You know mm. how have you have, who have you gone out of your way today to do a nice thing for mm. a person? Have you reined in your temper when something happened that right. didn't go your way, or did you just lash out and ruin this other guy's day and just perpetuate that cycle? Mm. That would be that would be what I would want to instill if I had any ability to do it. But yeah. I haven't spent my life amassing wealth, so my my <laughs> opinion is relatively worthless.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to me that you that you've expressed some sort of positivity or, you know, uh, some sort of approval, I guess, to a degree about Jesus. Um, cause I've never heard you say that before. That's interesting to me. Um, but what do you think, what would that character, what would that archetype look like in, in our society today? Do you th- like in our modern uh, w- responding to our modern issues and things like that? Do you, would, would he be a socialist would Jesus know oh,
1: I don't think I don't think any homeless guy if there, guy was, if there to, was actually a, a literal Jesus 2.0 son of god <laughs> came down to earth and said hey could we just all love our neighbors people uh-huh. like hey shut up he'd be homeless and no one would even know who he was yeah he'd never make, he wouldn't even get on the nightly news of the local whatever hmm. he, he wouldn't register at all Should be forgotten he'd just slip under the radar and everyone would get back on facebook and hmm. never pay any attention to him it's interesting
0: what do you think about new religions? You know, like uh, Scientology, things like that, or or um, new iterations of old religions, um, like uh, I guess this is getting a little bit more broad, but like evangelicalism and things like that. What do you think about that? Appeals and sticks in our modern world. What do you think? Like, why are why are things like Let's just start with. Scientology or Mormonism—something that's been, you know, created within the past two hundred years. Like, what do you think about that? Appeals to humanity right now.
1: Uh, well, I mean, really, I don't think it's just the same thing that any religion appeals to people—is okay. just, uh, you know, a yearning to belong to a, a greater sense of purpose. You know, uh, I, I, I have a pretty. I have a viewpoint of reality that other people might consider fairly depressing. Oh like oh whoa, whoa, we're all just meat robots without free will and it's yeah. all just this random quantum foam like that fluctuating phrase. that you know but uh and, and the idea that, oh, no, this is just a, a a random chance accident of molecules bumping together the wrong way to start the chain reaction that led to us and we're purposeless in the grand design and eventually our species will die and even if we somehow attain Im- immortality, the sun will burn out. We're, we're completely boned and pointless and none of this really matters in the long run. And mm. I think that that viewpoint is pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do we go when we die? Oh, you don't. It's just like where you were, came from before you were born. People don't want to hear about that. Mm-hmm. They need something to cling on to. They need right. something to keep them falling asleep at night. Right. And I think whether they... I don't think a lot of people consciously acknowledge that is the reason, obviously. There's a lot of... I feel like there's a lot of self-deception involved. But it really, it's just this yearning to not have your life be purposeless and meaningless. Mm-hmm. And to have all of this make some kind of sense. Mm-hmm. So you're, you were talking earlier about...
0: Um religion pushing against, or, or maybe uh, challenging in a suffocating way, maybe, and this is me uh, paraphrasing what you're saying, but but challenging what is observable truth, or what makes sense to you, would you say that, um, like, okay, I, I guess you could, with Christianity, we'll use an example, with, like, Christianity, you can say, uh, well, this book is teaching me that someone got struck by lightning because they disobeyed God, or, or that... Uh, that there's unobservable, intangible demons influencing your day-to-day life. But then you could also say, oh, well, uh, the Earth can't be a sphere because I've never observed that with my own two eyes. You know, I've never never interacted with or I've never uh, personally physically observed the solar system. And so isn't there a degree of faith in science? Isn't there a degree of faith in atheism in... Um, in saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust that these... I'm fully playing okay. devil's advocate, Yeah, yeah I but I can, tr- I can trust that, that NASA is telling me the truth. You know, what gives that validity over saying, well, I can trust that, that the Bible is telling me the truth.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I think it comes down to your reaction to contrary information. Mm. And then that's just... Cool. That, that's really the main difference. Um, I mentioned I once did a little uh, bit of work with satellite internet. And you had to change satellites as the one you were using went past the horizon of the Earth. Oh, yeah. You'd have to uh-huh, switch uh-huh. over, you know, or uh, if you're trying to contact certain people, you have to bounce the signals a certain way to get around the curvature of the Earth, right? And if I hadn't done that, then sure. I wouldn't have any tangible, firsthand anecdotal evidence mm-hmm. of the Earth being around. Yeah. Um yeah, it's like anecdotal versus theoretical. But I when I do encounter something that suggests that the world might be round, of uh, oh hey, we can we can watch these GPS satellites fly around the Earth with uh-huh. our with our detectors. We can we can see how this satellite can bounce an image to uh, signal to Africa, but this one can't because it's too far away to make it around that curvature. Right. Once I am encountering that information, then it's a question of whether I say nope. Bible says that this is the way thing, you know, Mm. or or the nope flat Earth all the way. Mm -hmm. I reject it. There's something wrong, and let me figure out what's wrong with the evidence. Yeah. Whereas the other approach is, oh, that contradicts what I think. Let me see what's wrong with my theory. Mm. And that's the big difference is just uh, you you take your theory as truth and then try and fit your evidence to it. Oh yeah. Or you
0: retroactively validate
1: evidence as truth and. Iteratively adjust your theory, yeah, to get more accurate based on the collection of evidence.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: So is Pluto a planet? Ooh man, <laughs> defined planet. You know. It's like, yeah, I miss it. I miss it. Yeah, but I miss it too. If it, if it was, we'd have to add a whole lot more.
0: Hmm. Yeah. If a dwarf planet is a planet, then we got we got a lot more planets to name. If you could name a planet, what would you name
1: it? Edgar. Whoa. Man, oh, geez, you can't hit me with something that open. Oh man, Oswald, what would I, what would I name a planet if I could name it? Theodore, Stacy,
0: uh, Michael.
1: Oh no, mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't name a whole planet after me. Mm. I I could grab one of the moons of Saturn or something for my. For oh my, yeah. Yeah. yeah, dude, the Jovian moons are so sick.
0: Jupiter's moons, sweet. Do you think there might yeah, be life on one. Europa or Iowa or Iowa? I Io. I- I said Iowa. Uh, Is there life in Iowa,
1: Mike? Ooh. I've, I've driven through That's Iowa, cross-country, <laughs> and I haven't encountered any hard factual right. evidence that life exists there. Uh, they had stores and stuff, but I didn't see a lot of other people going there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that uh, the water moons around Saturn and Jupiter are definitely the strongest contenders. Yeah, dude. That'd be pretty fucking cool, dude
0: get up there. Um how do you what do you think about Elon Musk? What do you think about what he's doing the privatized space exploration and 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 uh space vacations?
1: Hey, you know what? He's uh it's pretty cool. He's really overcome a lot of uh naysayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you can't make an electric car profitable. Mhm. Oh, you can't make you can't have privatized space flight. Man, eh, he's he seems to be pulling it off. Yeah. I tell you one thing i don't really I don't really have any social media or anything like that, so I really don't care less what he says on Twitter or this or that or the other thing um but I am pretty excited for his global internet, oh yeah, mm-hmm. starlink mm-hmm. that sounds really cool mm-hmm. i'd I'd be down to sign up for that nice okay, how about this? I asked you about if you were a god.
0: What would your, you know, I guess we kind of explored that a little bit. Would your approach be mathematically, moralistically? Uh, If you were to create... Oh, here we go. Yes. Found it. Okay. If you were to create a religion that was utilitarian and that that you were fully aware that anything that you said could be false and yet be fully believed and fully committed to by any proponents of your religion, what would that look like? You know, even if you fully knew that what you're telling the masses was a lie, or, or not, you know, you can take it either way, Okay, what, what would that look like?
1: Uh, all right, so it would look like, as long as you are not hurting other people, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want to do. Nice. Uh, and that any sort of technological progress should ideally be used to benefit everyone Mm -hmm. and not just the owner of the company that patents that technology. Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess I'd just basically be Nikola Tesla. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know what? I don't even think I'd want to lead a religion. I would just say, hey, people, just have energy free for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I'd find somebody else. Say, follow this guy. Uh I'd say, yeah, just everyone quit being such a dick. Mm-hmm. Can I say that on That's your show?
0: I don't know what your rating is on this show. You can't fucking cuss on this goddamn show. Oh, dang it. Alright, yeah. I'm sorry. I won't mm-hmm. say dick. I'll say... Uh, you can't say dang it, you have to say darn it. Darn it. Yeah.
1: Golly. Golly G was Alright. Golly gee fucking I would ways. basically tell people, just don't be peepees to each other. <laughs> don't be a peepee. That's pretty good. Seems like a good time for a smoke break. Smoke break? Let's smoke break, folks. So, Mike... So Caleb. So, uh let's talk
0: about evolution. Yes, let's. Let's. So, um I on the break we were kind of touching on the idea of the evolution of humanity leading towards techno- technological advances uh and that maybe being potentially harmful. Do you want to elaborate on that and maybe maybe why maybe why we advanced to that point and it seems like a logical thing but it could still hurt us
1: maybe? Is yeah, that, for for sure. Okay. I, I'm I'm so glad that you leave these as like not leading questions. Uh-huh. Like, hey, let me phrase this to have <laughs> you talk about what you want to talk about. Uh yeah. Uh so I'm gonna see if I can work with that. I don't know. No, I I a hundred percent I feel like for all the good that it does, uh technology is almost uh too good. It's a double edged sword. And uh specifically what 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 I think we're driving at here is that um I don't think they, that humans are meant to have as many social connections mm-hmm. as we have. Mm-hmm. With not even just friends, whether it's friends or coworkers or just other people we have to coexist with on the subway. Evolution is a is a slow process, mm-hmm. and I don't think that in ten thousand years is not enough for how slowly humans reproduce relative to other species. I don't think ten thousand years is enough time for us to really adapt to how much technology has helped us solve our mortality rate. You know, you look at, you used to get pregnant, you might die. If you had one bad harvest, your whole tribe might die. You meet another tribe and you're not prepared for how hostile they're going to be, you're all dead. And uh, a lot of things, technology has advanced society in a way that, that a lot of those are things we don't have to worry about. And so now there's more of us and then we get giant cities and and not even 10,000 years of adapting to technology that just lets us live longer and build bigger cities, but mm. just, heck, the last 20 years has not been enough time for even two generations to pass. There's no way that our brains are adapted to what the internet has given us. We're not supposed to have 4,000 friends on Facebook. We're, our brains are not wired for that. We're we're still monkeys that have just barely learned not to sleep in a tree. Mm. And, you know, we, we are at, at some instinctual level used to just having a group of 20 people or something that we lived with, mm-hmm. and that's that. Anything else might be a potential threat. You have to eyeball them like in... Uh, like in any of the zombie shows, when somebody meets another camp of survivors, right. and the whole tension emerges, uh-huh. Ooh, are they going to trade with us, or are they going to just fight us and try and steal our stuff? Uh-huh. Right? That's that was just the reality of life uh-huh. when we were tribal and hunter gatherers. Now we're expected to have eight thousand people that we encountered, you know, all, all through the every on the subway, on the sidewalk, the line at the gas station. We have all of our internet followers, we have our friends and our Insta Snapchat Twitter <laughs> books. <laughs> that's pretty good. And that's that's too much. Uh-huh. My own personal theory, which I have no evidence to back up. Uh-huh. But my own personal theory is just that a lot of our things, like uh, like a lot of our problems, like like racism or uh, our huge bias against the LGBTQIA plus, all that is just. Ways of our brain manifesting like, whoa, no, I need to have my little tribe mm. and I need to be wary of the ones that are not in my little tribe. Mm. But we don't have that division of having your tribe travel and live with you and migrate from place to place based on the seasons and whether or not this glacier is melting. That Now we mm. just live with all the tribes. Mm. and We have too many and we have to come up with ways to distinguish between the two of them, mm. us and them. Do you think that would better humanity if we
0: did just limit... Or not limit ourselves, but but if we did just kind of retain our our intimate interactions with people that are experiencing life at the same rate and in the same location that we're experiencing it?
1: Well, there's... Oh, man. There's a lot of variables to take into account for this hypothetical scenario. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the variables that in this hypothetical... I'm in charge of a religion now that we're operating on the way (laughs) Earth (laughs) is now. Damn it, I went back
0: to religion again!
1: We're we're operating on the way Earth is now and that we progress from here under that assumption. Uh, right. I uh, the, in that case, the the tribe nature of us, that ship has sailed. That's long gone. However, like I said in the beginning, uh, religion is what helped us. Like, oh, we're living together. Mm. Instead of thinking that guy has a better head of cabbage than you, and so you're gonna hit him with a stick till he's dead and then rape his wife and then take it. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, no, oh, no, the, the star man that made that star, that's that other sun disappear, <laughs> he said he's going to really wreak havoc on... I mean, you remember when it flooded a couple months ago? Yeah. He's going to do that again if yeah. you club another person to yeah. death and rape their wife, <laughs> uh-huh. right? And so now you don't have quite as many people clubbing each other to death and raping their wives and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, if I tried to make a religion, I would, you know, that would be my goal is to kind of have a modern day reconstruction of that bridging of the gap to overcome our awful, awful, awful human instincts mm. and uh, use that as a, you know, a stick to mm-hmm. to keep people from doing the bad things that we're all inherently going to do when you get too many of us together.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't our instincts, though, be a, uh, like, a utilitarian kind of Darwinian adaptation to where we've gotten now, like, isn't it still survival of the fittest?
1: Though, isn't the construction of our instincts? No, it's not. There's no survival of the fittest now. We wouldn't. We wouldn't have. Well, fittest uh, not not physically fittest, not you know,
0: financially fittest. Sometimes, um, intellectually
1: fittest. Maybe in another couple thousand years, that'll be enough to prioritize one genetic mutation over another, but. As of right now, I I mean, survival of the fittest, if that were still fully infect, we wouldn't be having kids, we wouldn't be having adults with Down syndrome or whatever. We wouldn't have, Mm -hmm. there wouldn't, if you had genetic mutation, if you had some sort of genetic disease, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't get a name. It would just make people not exist that had it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, survival of the fittest means the way that fittest, I think, in that application is defined is the thing that can. Uh, exist or or even thrive in the current circumstance. so if the current cir- current circumstance allows for you know people people with lesser physical or mental capacities to be sustained by uh, social programs or by society in, in, in one way or the other, then it, it could almost be
1: argued that, that it's, it's advantageous to
0: to be in that position.
1: Well it would have to be advantageous to the species as a whole. And I haven't seen any evidence of that uh, I, I would think that it, it, you know internet correct me if I'm wrong, but the the general data on it is that the more advanced countries tend to have lower birth rates. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure in Japan right now they have a they have a big problem. One, well, maybe not big, but an oncoming problem that the average age of their country is getting older and older as as mm, fewer mm-hmm. people are having kids. Right. Whether it's because information showing us that we don't need to, or whether it's because of birth control or whatever it may be,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, technology actually helps the people in the know and the people with resources not accidentally have a bunch of kids and the people without those means and education crank out more kids. So I would say if anything, the, the nature uh, uh, has flipped evolution to where yeah the, the one like the, the people who are worse in a position to procreate in mass are the ones who are. Yeah. But then that's kind of redefined the term fittest. Like, now it
0: is more fit for you to, to benefit from these constructs in society, right?
1: So isn't the same principle still in effect, then? That well, so, sure, if things just continued status quo for mm-hmm. another millennia, then maybe there would be a gene or two here or there. I don't think evolution works fast enough for anything in our society right now to compensate because evolution works on random mutations. Those, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as I, as far as I can tell, operate on on like sort of a linear scale, whereas technology is exponential. The more Hmm. technology you have, the faster that you make new technology. Yeah, but the more. Evolved, you are doesn't mean the more quickly you'll evolve new traits, mm-hmm. because that's all still just based on random right. mutations. Yeah, and- but
0: the the random mutation that fits
1: is the one that uh, that
0: is stronger, I guess. I, the, the like, yeah, it's it's all random mutations, but then, oh, I don't know. P.S. A squirrel that happened to like have flaps underneath its arms can jump from tree to tree. It was a random mutation, but now there's flying squirrels that exist. You know, like the one that sticks, there's a reason that it sticks.
1: Yeah, I would say if anything, uh, technology has created an artificial evolution where instead, okay, of, yeah, being, yeah, yeah. instead of being a genetic characteristic uh-huh. that determines your survival rate and your uh-huh. rate of passing on uh, your genetic code to your uh-huh. progeny, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with your actual DNA. It yeah. just has to do with the inherited mm-hmm. sort of status, your coordinates on the right. social grid that we have, right? You, yeah. Uh, if you're born in certain third world countries, you can, you can have a pretty bad time regardless of what your genes are. Mm-hmm. And if there is some sort of genetic selection that makes people have more, more kids in our world, I don't think it's going to overpower the societal and financial and yeah. all those kind of you know, racial, all those sort of determinants of who's going to procreate more, mm-hmm. or who's not, your, your economic status mm-hmm. or your outlook on the world of whether or not you should have five kids or just mm-hmm. enjoy your time with your significant other and all your possessions. And- right. Yeah.
0: And that kind of begs the question, like, what distinguishes the artificial from the organic or from the genetic? You know, because it's like, well, if the environment around me is artificial or genetic, it doesn't affect the degree to which I will be successful in whatever state that I'm in. If uh, if the environment around me is manufactured versus having arisen, you know, uh, just organically, mathematically, it's still going to affect me to whatever degree it will. Like, if, if I build, if I build a a simulation, back to kind of where we started if i build a simulation where a certain characteristic is more beneficial than another it is still more beneficial and things will still evolve to favor that characteristic right
1: i feel like there are influence external influences that exist because of technology that wouldn't without yeah and that they operate quickly enough that whether or not evolution is at play is irrelevant. Is mm-hmm. that a, is that a good way to answer? It yeah. That explains. I
0: just. I guess maybe what I'm parsing out is how does evolution uh, as an or I keep saying the term organic, but evolution as uh, a natural force how is how is it important if that is not as effective or as influential as a manufactured force. Aren't we still evolving in reaction to a manufactured environment uh, oh, to okay. the degree that we're reacting to a, a natural environment?
1: Uh, I would say I'm inclined to respond to this with, a, with a, a question more of what you actually consider life and how far you draw the scope of of evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, if you only look at it in terms of life and the actual genetics that something has, that I, I feel like technology has overpaced evolution a long time ago. Sure. Um, and I think it will continue to do so in a more and more pronounced way where eventually, you know, I, there's no reason to think that we won't eventually get medicine good enough that evolutionary defects are irrelevant. That doesn't weed off a tree from the old tree of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, you can I look at evolution even past the scope of life you know you, you start off with the the quantum foam of a chaotic universe and and there's certain t- kinds of particles that if the random energies and the vacuum of space interact in a certain way, they make these self-stable particles that now these particles exist. Mm-hmm. And now they're everywhere, and now they can form into a bigger unit, and then those combinations start to propagate, and you get whole atoms, and you get the you know molecules, and then molecules make more and more complicated things, and then eventually, you know, through a long chain of events, you have life, and if you look at it, evolution as survival of the fittest or just being the the patterns that self-replicate. There's patterns that self-replicate that aren't organic in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the energy required to tear two quarks apart it, it it expends so much energy that that energy actually creates a new quark to take the place of the one oh, that you've really? separated. So you can't. Scientists have never observed an isolated quark because by tearing one away, you make a new one with the amount of energy that it wow. takes. And so, you know, in a in a, in a quantum kind of perspective. That is a survival trait for the quirk. Cool. Right? Oh, like, that's cool, man. Yeah. Now everything's made of quirks and they've procreated in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, they've that they make everything. All mm-hmm. the mass that we can observe is made of quirks, as far as science understands it. So if you you know, you don't draw the line at that, then you don't draw the line at technology that eventually the goal is to keep life perpetuating, or to keep self-replicating, or to keep the pattern going, right? And that's not even a, even saying it's a goal is misrepresenting it. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a it's just a character of that mm. pattern,
0: yeah. Right? It's interesting. It's interesting to me that you use the word goal because for for a goal to exist, it kind of infers that a an objective or an end
1: has to be favored. Oh, yeah, that's why I started thinking of a new one, because I feel like, yeah, that's loaded. Mm -hmm. That's like, in, in quantum physics, they say, oh, well, it doesn't, the wave function doesn't Collapse into whatever it is until it's observed, and, oh, yeah, and then people right. latch onto. See, that's a whole That, other, that, that implies too. an observer. Well, no, right. actually, it collapses when it interacts with something. Yeah, and that and to observe something is to interact with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily say goal. I would say that it's just a property. Mm. If you make something that by its own nature makes more of itself, then it's gonna make more of itself, mm-hmm. and so hmm. it, you know we're. I feel like it's all just information arranging itself in a way that continues the the play of information. Right? We're just it manifests itself as us having this uh, evolution that carries on survival of the fittest, but it's really just whatever is best at self replicating. It's whatever pattern yeah, yeah, yeah. is okay. better uh-huh. at producing more of itself. So if we get the ability to, s- to make computers that can fully simulate an entire planet that's detailed and powerful enough that conscious entities can emerge within that, Ooh, who's to yeah. say that that's not evolution propagating itself there we go. Yeah. way more times, orders of magnitudes more times than we could here limited in our physical Earth? yeah totally some of them we might just be we maybe maybe somebody's on the lookout to try and create the best world to just download their own consciousness in right you just build four billion earths Mm -hmm. and to do that you have to have a whole universe that has all these laws of physics that makes it possible for matter to coagulate and make planets and all this and organic life to evolve and so you you tweak the settings in your program to allow that to happen and you run it four billion times and you pick the best one, and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to live there for the rest of my life. And you download your brain to that. Obviously, they're going to bypass ours real quick. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> yeah, we've got a shitty, yeah. shitty hand handout But maybe us. we'll be the ones
0: doing that in a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, You're almost getting kind of adjacent to Mormonism there. The cosmology of, of Mormonism, of inheriting your own planet and
1: setting the rules around that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually not, I'm not very versed in Mormonism. It's fun.
0: So, Mike... As we all know, I end every episode with this question. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. If you had to speculate, what would you say the five tenets of the religion of fruit flies would be? Classic question. I'm sure you've mulled this over many a time. Well,
1: I I haven't. I'm going to be honest. Oh, that's weird. I haven't thought about that in my day-to-day life. But I did do my research, and yeah. I listened to your last couple episodes, right? and I know how you like to end every episode on Every question. time, yeah. So, I, you know what? Despite that, I did not do my due diligence and prepare an answer. Oh, you idiot. I would say that the ultimate goal of the fruit fly yeah. is uh, to cast aside your material possessions mm. and except lord fruitavius is your personal lord and savior. Yeah. Yeah. You know uh lord
0: fruitavius actually lived for 47 hours.
1: That's an eternity.
0: That's an that's eternity. That's the Methuselah yeah. of fruit mm-hmm. flies. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: My favorite anecdote from uh fruit flyology, yeah, is when the founding fruit fly yeah, uh, calls he has he has this one fruit fly that's his his most loyal fruit fly. Yeah. And we all know this story, but I love how you tell this. You've told this to me many a night, Yeah. you know, over over uh, a campfire. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't help myself, and I apologize too retroactively for all the times I've had a few too many to drink, and mm-hmm. I go a little bit too in depth about Frutavius, yeah, and the, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the giant grapefruit in the sky, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you're bad. Then that's it's the tiny grapefruit in then, the ground. No, then it's then it's the the weird blue laser light that you fly into and die. Oh, yeah, yeah, for eternity. You, you just know, spend I, eternity in the zappy laser light. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really really solid fruit
0: fry, fruit phrologists, uh argue that 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 was actually adopted from the. Um, from the mothology, oh, the, yeah.
1: the the great uh, the yeah. great purple light. Yeah, you, great... you really get down to it. Fruit fly ology is just like mothology plus another chapter. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they just mm-hmm. kind of tacked one on. Yeah, I I am of that school of thought. Yeah, yeah. My favorite anecdote is when uh the great fruit fly mm-hmm. takes his most loyal fruit fly disciple
2: mm-hmm.
1: and says, "Hey, you've had a lot of you've you've done a good job. You've been." uh following my word and giving me all good praise and all that. Mm. Love it. Love it. I told you to procreate all over this rotten orange that missed the trash. Yes. And you've just spawned a hundred kids. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Well, what, what, what does does you my you good do? and faithful fruit fly? Yeah. Uh, what I want you to do, though, I'm still just not sold a hundred percent that you're my most bestest <laughs> fruit fly follower. Uh-huh. So what I'd like you to do is just go ahead and kill all of your children. Yeah. Just, just, I just need you to go ahead and kill all of your children. Yeah. Just to just to show me how much you love mm-hmm. me, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then what happens is you know the fruit fly is really loyal and he says this sucks, but you know great fruit fruit fly demanded mm-hmm. it, so he gets all of his kids and he starts ushering them towards the laser light zapper in the sky, yeah. right, and then he's just about to they 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 travel it's a long ways up to the. Up to the you know above the door because the fruit fly thing the, the orange is on the floor right the zappers yeah. up up and it takes right a great d-
0: degree of faith to travel that far that's a long fly. way for fruit yeah.
1: fruit fly yeah so they're they're traveling a long way and all the kids are like daddy what are we traveling up to the laser light for right. And he's like oh, you'll see when it's you like, get shut there the kid fuck up you'll see when we get there I'm gonna yeah. need you to go ahead and fly and he's right about to usher all of his all of his kids are about to fly headlong into the laser light zapper mm. and then uh, the great fruit, fruit fly comes out I was goes, oh, just kidding, just kidding I, mm. just wanted, I just wanted to see if you'd do it yeah. I didn't know if you'd do it, but you were about to that was great, mm. yeah, that's yeah. My, that was my favorite that's classic great fruit fly in the sky hijinks yeah, yeah, it's moving really
0: yeah. I think what happened
1: um, historically is that the
0: fruit fly father found um, a bumblebee that was trapped in a spider's web next to the great light in the ceiling, and was able to actually replace his uh, children's sacrifice with the bumblebee. Oh, yeah. 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 So...
1: I also... Uh, and the great
0: fruit fly in the sky provided that bumblebee.
1: You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, if like, you that really was think intention- about it. Yeah,
0: the whole time, the great fruit fly knew that this bumblebee would be there conveniently placed as a sacrifice.
1: That's feel, beautiful. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like all their, <laughs> all really their commandments are yeah. really... Well... Uh, Yeah, for the most part, they're really solid. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you have to take into account the the
0: lexicon of the day. Like, you know, fruit fly fi- linguistics have really changed over the years. It's oh, yeah. been like, you know, 12 years since that translation was, was first put together. And you have to take into account that terminology has changed. The culture has changed. There's a lot of different varying forces that come into account when you
1: translate the great fruit fly scriptures. Yeah. Like back then they didn't know how to cook pork and avoid, you know, whatever diseases are in there. Yeah.
0: And the first fruit fly to even encounter sushi was like five years ago. Like they're very culturally isolated, you know, the end, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That was a post-Christian podcast.